Hello, and welcome to Love It for Screening's special series, Rom-Com Road Trip, where we take you on a winding journey to find the best love and laughter as we create a rom-com plot of our very own. So grab your favorite snacks. Like pretzels. Or cashews. And hurry, we've got a few friends to pick up. I call shotgun. You drive. Buckle Buckle up. up. We actually did that pretty well today. We're getting better. We're getting better. (laughs) Madison, how the hell are you? You know, Chelsea, as a Scorpio moon and rising, anyone could predict that I am just in a constant, constant cycle of uh, rebirth, of renewal, of consistent change. And that's all to say, I think it's time I look for another job. No, I I do actually feel uh, remarkably brilliant recently. And when I say recently, I mean yesterday. Because uh, you don't know this about me. But uh, when I watch with my family, we do this fun thing where you get a category. And what we do is we just go ahead and throw out an answer before we hear the question. And I got it right yesterday. That's only happened twice before in family history. You're invincible. I am. I am either psychic or insanely brilliant. But yeah. Also, I think that Ken Jennings is a little shifty-eyed weirdo. That's a really hot take of mine. I think he's a scab. Yeah, I think he's a scab. So He's a shifty-eyed scab. <laughs> exactly. Which sounded like I said fishy ice cab. The, he's that, that too. He's a fishy ice cab. Yeah. Well, Chelsea, uh, how the hell are you? You just showed me a really cute dog. His name's Ted Danson. Yeah, 100%. That's what Teddy is short for. Yeah. Uh, he's a he's a black labradoodle that I'm house-sitting, and he is adorable. And he finally laid down. Um, his brother, Cody, does not care what's happening. He's in the other room. He is a golden doodle. Mm. They're... They're adorable. Oh my god, they're like different versions of Oreos. They are like a traditional and and a sad Oreo. Yeah, I they're my companions for the next two weeks while their humans are in Europe on a vacation that I won't describe because it'll make us both sad we're not on it. <laughs> that I really actually appreciate that. As soon as you said their humans are in Europe, I'm like, no, you can stop there. That's all right. She described the vacation to me the other day when I came over to go over the meds, and I was like, I'm really happy for you, but incredibly sad for me. (laughs) I'm devastated. I will not be joining you. How about next time, instead of paying me to house at the dogs, you just bring me with you and we'll leave the dogs uh, with a relative. You could be the dog nanny. The dogs could come with. Just think of you walking these gorgeous little dogs. They're not little. But um, these gorgeous dogs through the streets of Europe. I tried to come up with a a city and I didn't want to say Paris because it felt too like, I don't know. So I also... um, I went to Costco yesterday. This is riveting stuff. Like, I know that everyone who's listening wants to hear this. Uh, I went to Costco yesterday, and I go for the muffins. Here's the thing. Here's one thing to know about me. I'm a slut for a coffee cake Costco muffin. And they didn't have any. 
Um, I picked up the muffins that I knew my sister would want, which are like the super chocolatey chocolate chocolate ones. And then I go to find my coffee cake, cinnamon, crumbly deliciousness. Not there. And then I had a very nice man who didn't work there, but was a fellow shopper, remind me that I had to like, he saw me circling back around the muffin display and I only had one set of muffins. He goes, no, you have to get two. Like they sell them only if you get two. And I was like, I know, I'm just disappointedly looking for muffins that aren't here. Um, I got blueberry ones. They're fine. So I know someone who works at Costco, not on the warehouse side of things. Um, but I did, I want to read you this exchange because I wrote a really thoughtful, very detailed complaint um, about my disappointment uh, and this is, I want you to know that what I've sent is sent in all caps with um, lots of punctuation. I said, I want to file an official complaint with you as a Costco employee. Why no coffee cake muffin at Duluth Costco? Why no? I went for coffee cake muffin, no muffin complaint. And did this person get back to you? They did. They said, I don't know. I'll see what I can do. That is unacceptable. Glad to know that they're taking it seriously. They really are. um, Because they also know that I've had it in the wings for some while, recruiting through uh, flash mobs on Craigslist. I have muffin getting planned. That's all I'll say. Muffin getting. I can't say anything else. You said that and there was a crack of thunder. I don't know if you can hear (laughs) the storm that's happening here. But... uh, (laughs) Yeah, I arranged that for theatrical effect. It was effective. Thank truly. You so much. Well, speaking of theatrical effect, do you have some effects that you'd like to make uh, theatrical for us today? I, that was a terrible segue. Yeah, I was just here for the ride. And now I will be. Sir, that's my yarn. <laughs> I want to keep that in. I really want Teddy to be like a, a special guest this episode. Teddy, what do you have to say? There was a teeny tiny little noise. It was like a little like grunt sort of sound. His face, if you look into his eyes. <laughs> I know, Labradoodles have human eyes and it's kind of freaky. Uh, well, Teddy, if you will allow me to begin my story oh i heard that is this gonna be a spooky story i wasn't intending it to be but oh my god all right here we go our story senders on a team of indie documentary filmmakers oh our main character starts with a b you have to name her i want her to be called b Short for Beatrice. Wonderful. Okay, so B, short for Beatrice, is our producer. And she has been planning this particular project since she was a freshman in film school. After she was going through some of her grandmother's things when her grandmother died. And she came across these letters written to her grandmother. Give me an R name. Oh, no. I think I have never known an R name in my life. Rogelio. Her grandmother's name is Rogelio. 
Oh, her grandmother. Her no. grandmother. Her. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was so funny, though. No, her grandmother's name can be um, Roberta. Okay. So she's going through Grandma Roberta's things, and she comes across a lot of these letters that are all written from a woman whose name starts with V. Oh. Um, Vivian. So Vivian and her grandmother, Roberta, apparently had a long correspondence going over several years and it was very clear that the two women were in love uh, upon reading and of course she can only read one side of the correspondence she's only reading Mm -hmm. vivian's letters to roberta Um, but it's very clear that they're in love and they all reference this bar that the two women frequented together but there's nothing in the letters apart from like vague locations and based on the information she has about her grandmother and where she would have been during the years that the letters were written so she doesn't know where this bar was it's never named but upon reading these letters she starts to contemplate queer spaces and how people connected and the ways in which it's changed over the years and so we get what her documentary is what she's going to document right with this documentary Mm -hmm. Um, She wants to look at the current queer spaces that we have as well as queer spaces of yesteryear. And although her grandmother is gone and she has no idea who this Vivian woman is, she's hoping that by talking to people that would have lived in, you know, this is, these were all happening in the 60s, these letters. If she talks to people, that she'll it'll it'll may help her feel closer to her grandmother, and it'll also help her feel close with her own community because she is also a queer woman. And then by documenting the current queer spaces, she's going to preserve them for future generations. Unlike a lot of the spaces that have disappeared, you know, and were super secret in the past, right? So that's what this documentary is all about, and she is stoked to be starting about. Uh, starting the project finally she's finally at a place she can start it the one kind of bummer is that in film school she was going to do it this was a a a project she was going to do with her friends but her friends have either moved on to other projects and aren't going to be available to do this or they've moved out of the industry altogether right filmmaking is not exactly a like (laughs) super stable career (laughs) path right The only person, lucky for her, that can do it is her editor friend, starts with a G. Can be anybody. I just need a name that starts with a G. You tell me name and pronouns. Garrison. He, they. Okay. So Garrison, her editor friend that she met in film school, is available to work on this project. He is super stoked about it because, you know, he's a genderqueer dude and bisexual and he's like hell yeah like let's go learn about all of the queers from a long time ago and how do they relate to us currently right i'm gonna i'm gonna pause you right there (laughs) wait we're gonna throw in one wild card scene where um our our leading lady here b gets randomly pulled up on stage it'll work because we can put it at a bar by a punk band and she has to sing one way or another by blondie 
Okay. Yeah. Noted. Now we continue. So Garrison is going to come do this project with her. She's really excited. This is someone that has known about this project since before she, before it was fully formed. It, you know, just the early idea planning stages, you know, when she found the letters, they were there, right? But she needs a sound engineer and she needs a director. She needs somebody that she trusts, right? This is a project. It's not just like the project but it's like so close to home right Mm -hmm. well garrison just happens to know the perfect people for the job a pair of cousins that like to work together i need an n name can be any gender nina nina okay so nina and her cousin a woman whose name starts with a and for this name, I need something that we can shorten into a nickname that would start with another letter. Mm, okay. We can give her a long name like Andromeda and call her Mita. Okay. So Andromeda goes by Mita and her cousin Nina are going to come and help them. Everyone is super excited. Everybody arrives at B's house for this coffee donuts and serious schedule wrangling meeting because this is a project that's going to take them across the country there's gonna be a lot of travel involved for this job so they need to get their ducks in a row and b opens the door to the three people and she looks like she's seen a ghost (gasps) oh no wait i'm sorry it's just andromeda aka mita the girl that ghosted her a year ago after three perfect dates, B would tell you. Oh my goodness. She's not butthurt at all. Wow. And you know what would be really good is that she could be, you know, normally going by Mita, but in, the, or like in a family sense, she would go by Mita. But maybe in that moment, she went by Andy. She'd have no idea if you're saying, oh, Mita, Mita's coming. Yeah, Mita. Wow. So Mita and B both aren't really sure how to react. They're both clearly taken aback by each other's presence. So B, of course, pulls Garrison to the side and is like, what the hell? How on earth did you find this person that ghosted me a year ago? And then, of course, uh, Mita pulls Nina to the side and is like, um we need to leave because this is not gonna work but the thing is mita has read the proposal for the project mita is super into this this is the kind of project that she's been waiting for for so long she has not been inspired in ages and like as awkward as this situation is she doesn't want to walk away from this She is going to put her heart and soul into directing this documentary. Now, meanwhile, Garrison is trying to convince B that, like, while it may be awkward for the time being, they're both adults and Mita is the right person to direct, which is what B needs. Mm -hmm. And so B concedes. They decide they're, you know, they all agree they're going to work together. But the tension is palpable. B will not look Mita in the eye. And Mita is going like a little overboard with their communication and trying to accommodate B. Like she wants 
B, to know that she really wants to be here and she's willing to do like bend over backwards to do whatever needs to be done to make sure that this project happens in the best way it possibly can. And while all of this is going on, uh, Garrison and Nina are having a blast watching whatever (laughs) is going on between their friends. So then comes the travel. And we cue a montage of fascinating interviews with queer folks, young and old, mixed with a lot of glances of hope and feigned indifference and really knowing glances from Garrison and Nina. And then there's, of course, the hotel rooms. They're traveling in a car across the country. We see them in the car taking coffee breaks. They're stopping at gas stations to fill up. And then somewhere in middle America, away from lots of things on a major travel day, Garrison and Nina, they're like, we need to have fun. Mm -hmm. They've decided that they all need to go out and do something. They've been working really hard and they think it's important for everyone's spirits for them to like go out, have a good time. So they pull up to the nearest bar, which happens to be a drag bar. Oh my gosh, I love it. And they're having live music. And... Of course, B, while she is a fun person generally, is so invested in this project that she's really uptight. She does not like that they're veering from their plans. They need to be getting sleep. They need to be thinking about the interviews that they're doing in the morning, the places they're going. They need to be ready to drive. But Garrison's like, babe, honey, you need (laughs) to have some fun. It needs to happen. And also, you need to get over the thing with Mita. Like, it happened a year ago. Yes, it sucks. But, like, it's clear that she's ready to bury the hatchet. So, like, maybe just, I'm not saying you got to be, you know, like, kiss and makeup. But, like, maybe you can just stop giving up a shovel. her <laughs> such a hard time. So they go to this drag bar. All of the bartenders are drag queens. And it's it's a space that, like, was kind of on their radar but not really because it's under new management. And so what has happened in the last like six months is radically changed the space. And so they had heard about it, but because it's such a new place, they it wasn't necessarily on their stops of like interviews and everything. Like it's a young business. They're still figuring out what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But they're having a really great time. They are drinking. There's live music. It's a punk band. Nice. <laughs> Somehow, B, after a few drinks, is convinced to go up on stage when the lead singer catches her eye, pulls her on stage, and they are singing One Way or Another by Blondie. And by the way, B cannot sing. I just, <laughs> to be clear, she's not a singer, but she. What she lacks in talent, she makes up for in enthusiasm. (laughs) And for the first time, her and Mita are like laughing together in a genuine way instead of doing this really awkward dance around each other that they've been doing for the last few weeks. And so at the end of the night, everybody's drunk garrison and nina are plastered and so they decide that although nina and mita have been sharing a room and garrison and b have been sharing a room throughout the whole trip they decide they'll they'll just switch rooms for the night they go to check in the hotel they stash the two of them in one room they open up the door 
Madison, there's only one bed. Yes! <laughs> it's all I ever want in a rom-com. There's only one bed. And if it's been awkward up until this point, they, you know, they had a momentary reprieve at the drag bar. It is now DEFCON 1 level awkward. It's not even a queen. It's a double bed. Like... <sighs> Oh no, so it's small. It is, it's the smallest you can be and still technically fit two people. So, of course, B, world-renowned producer, is like, here's a problem, I'm gonna solve it. She marches her little butt downstairs to the desk and she's like, can I get another room? And they're like, no, there's, there are no rooms. And she's like, all right, can I get a rollaway bed? We don't have those. The guy at the desk is like so unenthused. Like it's a little roadside motel. Like this is not five-star accommodations. This is like just necessity for travelers. So unenthused, does not care, is so clearly annoyed that she would even ask a question while he's playing his Nintendo Switch. He has a Gleok to defeat. He's trying to get to the bottom of Skull Cavern, and she's in the way. We referenced two different video games, but I'm just going to leave it the way it is. I, I know that's exact. He's trying to do both things at once. Do you know how hard that is? Yeah, he exactly. He has two switches. <laughs> he's operating one with his feet. <laughs> so she hangs her head in defeat she's not getting anywhere with this guy she goes back to the room mita has showered is put on some really good looking pajamas if if uh, b is being really honest about it they they look good (laughs) oh terrible and she is a little apprehensive about the fact that They have to share a bed. There is tension still. And also, B has never been more attracted to a person. (laughs) (laughs) B is such a horny on main mess, and I'm loving this. So it's just them. It's just the bed. And Mita's like, oh, are you, what, what happened? And B's like, well, they don't have another room. They don't have a rollaway bed there's no other furniture like there's this isn't a suite there's no couch there's no like right the options are the bed or the floor the floor is disgusting who would ever sleep on the floor you're gonna get a disease if you sleep on the floor of this <laughs> motel room that's not happening <laughs> i'm sorry my brain immediately flashed to leprosy because of the headlines coming out of florida right now of like leprosy on the rise i'm just like that motel floor in the middle of america is gonna give you leprosy so in order to save herself from leprosy b takes a deep breath she walks into the bathroom she brushes her teeth she washes her face she is procrastinating from going back out there because it feels impossible she's trying to figure out if maybe she can sneak over into garrison and nina's room 
and just crawl into bed with one of them. That it feels like a better option, but they have locked the door surely at this point. It's just not going to happen. So finally she takes a deep breath. She walks back out and Mita looks even more attractive than she did when she came out of the shower. She is in bed with a book Ugh. with these soft like wireframe glasses that B has never seen before. It's giving hot professor. It is torturous. It is torturous to have to walk oh over there. But that's what she has to do. So she does. She's not graceful nor subtle about the fact that she feels very uncomfortable in this situation. Mita is the only one that's like anywhere close to pretending they have their head on straight about this. But make no mistake, Mita very into B. It's really obvious to the viewer and of course to Garrison and Nina that uh these two they just need they just need to they just need to do it already like they just gotta they gotta get over with like I'm just picturing um I don't know if I even want to I'm just picturing that one scene from that one show just screaming the word over and over again bone just got a bone just got a bone so so they're sitting there. It's awkward. B tries to put like and one of the extra pillows like kind of between them ever like very like she's trying to be subtle. It, it's not subtle. Like why else would you be putting a pillow there? And they sit in silence for a while because they are both wide awake. What are they supposed to do? Talk to each other? No. Why would no. they ever do that? No. And so finally... Someone has to break the silence. And B is just like, you know what? What do I have to lose? And so she confronts <gasps> Mita about why she ghosted her a year ago. She's like, look, I thought our dates were pretty great. Like, we had a lot of really great conversations. You seem to be having fun. We had talked about going you know seeing each other again after that last date and then I just never heard from you and Mina is very clearly uncomfortable like oh this is like the thing I was dreading this whole time yeah oh so it's some more avoidance it's I'm gonna jump out of the bed because I've just remembered that we don't have any ice <laughs> I have to pee. We need ice. I need to run 10 miles down the road for an ice cold Sprite. Like, I just, anything but here. And right as Mita's about to, like, leap from the bed, B grabs her wrist. And she's like, I'm not mad. I'm just confused. <laughs> and if I'm being honest, I'm also very drunk and attracted to you. Which makes this even more confusing. What do you think happens next? Oh my god. Um, I, do they talk or do they fuck? They fuck. <laughs> In my head I'm going, both? <laughs> At the same time? At the same time? Some people are that talented. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Uh, 
<laughs> Mita would be. Um, no, I'm sorry. They're fucking. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, in this choose your own adventure, they're fucking. <laughs> so, so after B has just like confessed, like she's not mad. She kind of wants some answers, but also made it clear, maybe not totally meaning to be that blunt about it, but like very into Mita still. Mita decides to flirt instead of confronting the the emotions because why would we ever choose to confront emotions when we could do anything else so they flirt there's you know playful touching they're both kind of tipsy they're not drunk but you know they're feeling loose they're feeling like <laughs> they're loose women. <laughs> they're loose women they're, they're, feeling, women. they're feeling uninhibited, right? And yeah, of course, of course, they sleep together because there's one bed that I don't make the rules. Like, that's just what has to happen. One bed, two loose women. <laughs> I don't know how that goes because usually it's like two people, one, <laughs> when they leave, like... Honestly, it's probably um, one bed, two loose women, both will come. (laughs) (laughs) And that's merchable. Oh, Lord. Okay. So so they sleep together. And the next morning, B wakes up and Mita has already packed up her stuff and is gone downstairs. And... B is like, I don't really know what I was expecting. Like, clearly this isn't something that she's interested in. And like, I just have to be okay with it. But, you know, she's a great director, blah, blah, blah. But when she gets downstairs, Mita is waiting for her with a coffee. She didn't get Garrison or Nina a coffee. She's waiting with a coffee for B. So B is like, okay. Mm. But it's kind of that thing where B is starting to realize that the emotions seem to be the problem, right? Because Mita was mm-hmm. very into what was happening after they skirted around that awkward conversation. And it's clear that Mita is interested in the project and also the like friendship group that they've formed on along their travels. The thing that Mita just doesn't seem to want to do is actually be vulnerable why be vulnerable when can just be not (laughs) so Bia decides for now she's gonna let it go but of course she pulls Garrison aside and is like oh my god here's the tea here's what happened what do I do and then you know Garrison is like it's cool just you know Whatever happens on the road, just like let it happen, feel it out. Whatever else advice they they that they would give in that realm. But then after B goes off to to sit next to Mita in the car, you know we, we see Garrison holding out his hand, and Nina coughs up a five. And <laughs> yeah, incredible. So they you know they continue on the on their journey, and we see that. 
they're into each other and they're not hiding it anymore and they're also not doing that awkward thing but we can also see that B's kind of nervous because while she isn't opposed to a casual relationship this project is very intimate it's very important to her and also she wants something more than casual but Anytime the conversation veers close to, and they're not even trying, she's not even trying to confront what happened in the past, but like anytime the, you know, the, the conversation steers towards something real, something emotional, Mita just figures out a way to crack a joke and kind of skirt around it. The trip Mm -hmm. is you know, winding down. They've only got a week or so left on the road. And B is like, I'm never going to hear from this person again. <laughs> that is the the fear that she has. And so she pulls Garrison aside again and is like, look, I, I you know, we have been having fun on the road. Because obviously what I uh, didn't say, but what should have been obvious is that after that point, they trade uh, roommates uh, for obvious reasons mm-hmm. right so yeah. she's like I really like this person but I think I'm about to get hurt because I don't think that they are interested in what I like in a relationship and that's what I would like and that's what I thought what you know we were heading towards or could possibly be heading towards last year when we went on those dates and then all of a sudden they just disappeared and I have a feeling that when the bus pulls back home I'm not gonna see them again and so Garrison is like I think Mm -hmm. you have to basically tie them up and make them answer your questions and Mm B's like I cannot tie a person up at least not like in a non-sexy time way that would just be rude (laughs) i was about to say no if it's just like a matter of logistics youtube has everything i'm literally sure you could find that they have the weirdest videos surely they have how to tie up your potential love interest to make them admit their feelings to you like that so then garrison's like fine why don't you ask someone that knows me better than I do. All right. So B goes and has a conversation with Nina, Mita's cousin. Mm-hmm. She's trying to get to the bottom of it. Again, she's not subtle. Like she's trying to be covert, but like Nina and Garrison have been making bets about the two of them this entire time. No one is under any <laughs> false like illusion of what has been going on. Mm -hmm. Nina is like, look, I don't feel comfortable sharing these things. If Mita doesn't want to talk to you about X, Y, Z, then like that's her business. I'm not getting in the middle of this. I respect that you want answers. If you want, I will talk to Mita, but I'm not gonna, you know, share information. Honestly, what a homegirl, Nina. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little gossip. And I'd be like, look, here's here's the down low on Mita. Here's her entire life story. Let me tell you everything they've ever done. That would be me. I'm, so I'm do you think B should take uh, Nina up on the offer to talk to Mita for her? 
no, there's no point in having someone in the middle when you just got to duke it out, man. Tie Mita to a chair, a comfortable chair. You just got to beat it out. Like, that sounds dirty. You just got to... Communication. It makes the world go round. Right. So you think that B should just have another conversation with Mita? Absolutely. I mean... I, in recent news, again, this will come out much later than today, but in recent news, you know, a chair did great things in that Montgomery dock brawl. So I think that a chair with Mita tied to it could do great things for their budding relationship. B does not tie anyone to a chair because that is dramatic in a way that she is not. That's fair. But what she does do is find a time where they are completely alone, away from all the people. They had finished up interviews for the day, and there's like this lake with a really nice walking path. And so she suggests that they go on a walk. And she gets to a place where they're like more secluded, and Mita's not going to be able to easily change the subject by virtue of the fact that there's not a whole lot going on around them. They're also in the middle of an open field, this so like sense. she also can't distract B with physical intimacy. <laughs> I was about to say, can't get someone uh, tied to a chair to get them to admit their feelings? Here's what you do. Take them into a large field where technically there are many points of exit, but it would look quite strange if they tried. Exactly. Finally, she's like, look. I have been having a great time with you, but I get the feeling that for whatever reason, you may not be interested in this for like the long haul or like in anything more than like this casual road trip kind of a thing. And I just want to know where you stand because I'm communicating to you what I want. B has essentially cornered Mita, even though it's a completely wide open space. And while Mita does consider jumping into the lake and like swimming across it, she knows she'll never look as good as that guy in <laughs> coming out of the water. He is so pretty. <laughs> uh, men coming out of water 2023. That's my campaign. Hot people. It doesn't even just have to be men. Men women, gender queer, gender nonconforming, age gender, any person, any hot person coming out of a lake 2023. So she knows she's never going to look as good as that guy. She also knows she's never going to look as majestic as Darcy walking across the English countryside at dawn in the fog. Like it's just uh, yeah. never going to be that way. And so I guess she's gonna have to talk to B. Not her favorite thing to do. I know it's tr truly devastating for <laughs> truly devastating for Mita, but she is gonna have to talk to B. She kind of hems and haws about it. She's like, I, yeah, like I mean, I don't know. We're just like having fun. Like what I, I didn't know it had to be anything. And B's like, look, you don't owe me an explanation per se. At least not for why you don't want to date me now. But I kind of feel like you owe me some explanation for why you just disappeared a year ago. Mm -hmm. And Mita is like, 
I guess that's fair. And she's like, look, I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship with a girl that I had met in film school. We had dated the last few years of film school and a little bit outside of school. And I was kind of convinced that we would just be together forever and always. And then we were sitting down at dinner one night and she just kind of said that she wanted to break up. And I really thought it was a joke, but it really wasn't. And so the next day she left. She took my Venus flytrap. No, they always take something. It always takes something that's not theirs. And I was crushed for a really long time. And I started dating again and nobody was interesting. Like, I, you know, they were nice people, but I wasn't super invested in what was happening. And then we went on a date and I had a good time. And so we went on a second date and it was really great. And then we went on a third date and I realized that I really liked you. But that's really scary because I really liked my ex and they just left. And the irony, yes, I know, is that I left you without an explanation. But I thought it would be better for it to end then than it would be to end after six years and carefully growing a Venus flytrap together, among other plants. I can't believe she took Audrey. I know. That's the name. The name of the Venus flytrap. Jeez. I don't blame Mita. Bit misguided, but damn, that's heavy. Imagine growing a whole thing together and then they're just like, see you later, alligator. So B is like, I get it. But also, have you considered that I maybe won't leave you? Or also, like, even if it doesn't work out, it won't be the traumatic thing that you experienced in the past? Mita's like, thank you so much for asking. Um, I had not considered that. And I, in fact, won't consider it a possibility. I am too closed <laughs> off a person emotionally. <laughs> Thank you so much for your consideration. Actually, not at all. Thank you. Oh, my God. Incredible. It's some awkward silence. They trudge back to the car. They load up. Garrison and Nina are like, all right, we're going to a bar tonight. What are we doing? And they both are silent. And Garrison and Nina are looking at each other like, what just happened by the lake? What is going on? Did they see a Jonathan Bailey come out of the lake and they're both stunned? Like, what's going on? Shocked by his beauty that they just have no words. He's just so wet. He's like sopping. They drive back to the hotel in silence. B, during the car ride, does ask Garrison if they can room together tonight. Garrison looks back at Nina and Nina looks to Mita and they are like, damn. What happened by the lake? So they go to their rooms, their you know separate bedrooms that night, and Garrison and Nina sneak out 
to go to the vending machine. They're not really sneaking out. They just leave to go to the vending machine. By the vending machine, they're like, what is going on? And Nina's like, Mita is closed off from love and she won't give it a chance. And I think it's because she really likes B and she's really scared of getting hurt. And Garrison is like, hashtag been there, done that. But also, have you considered that maybe it's worth the risk? And um, Nina's like, of course, I've considered it. Mita's the one that's never considered it because why would she? So then they're Mm -hmm. like, okay, we got to like parent trap these two. Because look, B is a realist. Yes. If Mita says that she is not interested in a long-term relationship, fine. She's not going to waste her time. There are plenty of fish in the sea. She's going to go swimming in other waters to find the right one. But they've got one more bar to go to. So they're at this bar and they're talking to some really interesting people. And it's a new er bar. It's about like six or seven years old. But what they say is that they are actually in, you know, like the bar as it exists currently is new. But like a long time ago, this used to be a bar. Okay. And they were like, we we actually found some stuff in a like storage space that had been kind of closed off and we were renovating and we, you know, we found these like photos and like this was like a safe space for queer folks like a long time ago we could show you all of this they're like "Um, absolutely we are documentary filmmakers of course we want to see these old photos bitch why do you think we're here and so they're looking at the photos b is feeling upset feeling cloudy feeling kind of like things aren't going her way but you know she's like oh like a busted can of biscuits in the hot back seat of a toyota corolla but she's like i'm gonna look at these photos so they're looking at the photos and they're seeing all these happy people from decades ago getting to be themselves and it's this really beautiful moment of like past and present coming together and like understanding all of the context you know like how they got here and what a miracle it is both then and now for like that to have happened, but also for them to be there and like be in a completely different spot. Right. And in the corner of one of the photos, B is looking and she's squinting. And then she looks at another photo where that back corner, where these two women are dancing together, there's another photo where they're closer and it's a little, you know, it's not the best quality, but she's looking at this woman And she goes, oh, my God, that's my grandmother. That's Roberta. And that must be Vivian. And it is like an ending to their documentary, which not that this will necessarily be the ending, like, you know, right? Like all of this is going to be spliced together. But like the ending of this journey that could only happen in a movie because the whole reason she went on this journey, she never expected to find out anything about her grandmother specifically but what she was looking for was to connect with the past and to the woman that like she didn't totally know you know her her grandmother would go on to marry a man and have children and obviously had to say goodbye to vivian because that was just what was safer at the time but like now she has these photos she's standing in the building that her grandmother was 
dancing in decades ago with a woman that she cared very deeply for, loved even, if that wasn't a word that they used in their letters. And there's this sense of, like, peace that she's feeling. This sense of home. This sense of connection to, like, literally everything around her and within her. Just reaching through time and tying it all up with a bow. And she gets a little choked up about it. And she doesn't say anything to the others. This is a very private thing. But then she, you know, excuses herself. And the others are a little confused as as to what's just happened. And they're looking at the photos. And while they don't know what her grandmother looks like, they have read those letters. They've also seen photos of the grandmother, but like not necessarily, like they haven't studied it enough to know. But the one thing that stands out to them is the necklace that the woman is wearing in the photo. It's the same necklace that B has on currently. And they realize oh my what has goodness. Happened. And in a moment that just kind of like punches you in the gut in like the best possible way, Mita runs outside and just kisses B. Beautiful. Because she realizes that she's been an idiot. It's true, she has been. She's literally been on a road trip where they have been talking to so many people. And again, this isn't just about historical spaces. It's also, it's connecting past to present. So like they've been talking to like people that currently frequent these kinds of spaces, both physical and online, how queer people connect and find community, right? And she realizes that she has been running away from a thing that would make her super happy based on fear of what might happen. And then she's looking at this photo of the girl that she really likes, his grandmother, with this woman feeling so happy in a relationship that she couldn't pursue. And here, what an asshole she is in the 21st century to physically be able to pursue it, but be so emotionally stunted that she can't, like she's just not gonna. She just realized she's being dumb. Mm -hmm. So she goes, she gets the freaking girl. Oh, that is a beautiful, amazing moment. I love that so much. The power of what community teaches you. It teaches you to hold on to the people that you love and the connections you make, except when they're not <laughs> serving you, when they're not healthy for you. Maybe maybe you don't have to keep all ties. That's PSA. Uh, but that's so gorgeous. Oh, my God. I am weeping. You can't see it because it's only happening on the inside. But I am weeping absolute tears of joy. So is this where we end with this like beautiful realization of like, I've been a dum-dum and then do we see Nina slide Garrison another $5? But of course. God, Nina's going to be so broke. I know. She's lost so much money to Garrison. At least $10. <laughs> and they've probably been playing drinking games this whole time. So oh, like for sure. Nina's, I'm assuming Nina's under 45 so she's probably not uh, i was gonna say she's gonna have to like refinance her home but she doesn't have a home so she's gonna have to sell feet pics on the internet because they're not free just to be able to pay off all of her <laughs> debts to garrison and there we have it i loved that 
That was such a cute story. It was about vulnerability, about community, about family, about past and present connections, the importance of safe spaces in, you know, pockets of the world. Hopefully they can extend beyond just pockets and just become the world. That's beautiful. Excellent. That was a clap for you. Thank you. That was incredible. I actually already have someone that I'm thinking I want to play a garrison. Okay. And that would be um, Elliot Fletcher. Yes. Love it. Incredible. He's the right age, too. He's, he's I'm obsessed. 27. I'm obsessed. Perfect. Sorry, I totally jumped the gun with that, but I just had like a vision in my head and I was like, who is that person? Then I had to Google it. Who are we thinking for B and Mita? So I'm I'm assuming that we're aiming late 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I kind of want Mita to be played by Stephanie Beatrice. Just a personal want of mine. We can, we can keep her in the running. I think we've already cast her in something else. In fact, I'm sure we have. We cast her uh, before, but I kind of want the grandmother to be Lily Tomlin. Only because I love Lily Tomlin. I just love her hair. I can't help it. What about Tig Notaro's wife, Stephanie? Is it Aline? Aline? I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. Hello, editing Chelsea here to say that it's actually Stephanie Allen, just for the record. She'd be a great B. She has the right energy. Comedic actress and famed wife of Tignotaro. I can see her opposite Stephanie Beatrice. I think that works perfectly. Who's going to be Nina? Mm. We need someone with really, really good comedic timing. Oh, what about Aaliyah Shawcat? Curly, dark hair. I feel like she could have the timing for Nina pretty well. Could she play cousins with Stephanie Beatrice? I mean, cousins—it's a cousin. There's a lot of different. You know what I mean? Yeah, they could—they could look completely different. I got plenty of cousins that look nothing like me. Yeah, that's very fair. Especially the more distant you get. I have one cousin who's like so pale they're almost see-through, and they have really, really tight, really, really red curly hair. That's not. I would like to counter propose though. Because she's the love of my life. Roberto Colindres as Nina instead. (gasps) Oh, that could be so good. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, done. You know what? Done. Sign, seal, delivered. I'm yours. Honestly, at that point, I almost want to flip Nina and Mita with how we have them cast. Oh, okay. So have Stephanie Beatriz be Nina and have... Roberta B. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm I'm also great with that casting. I yes. think I actually yeah. 100% in. Oh my god. To this. Incredible. So I think that's all that's all we need to cast, yeah. right? So now of course we have to ask the most important question. How are we casting Stanley Tucci in this film? Please say one of the drag queens in the drag bar. <laughs> Okay, great. Done. Ooh, 
We could we could really have a cute little throwback moment, and we could cast Nathan Lane as the owner of that drag club. Oh my god, incredible! That would be so cute, and B could interview him and his partner, his husband. Oh my god. I ship it. Oh my god, that's so cute. And like how they came to have this drag bar, and... I absolutely love it. It's genius. It's Perfect. wonderful. Yeah, the Tooch is going to be one of our leading ladies. Great. Okay. So now now that we've got a great cast, really star-studded, did we make a rom-com? That's a great question, Chelsea. Uh, well, first and foremost, of course, we're assuming that all of this revolves around B and Mita. So did B and Mita have date-like opportunities? Obviously. <laughs> there was one bed. At the motel. Hottest date option available. Like, signed, sealed, delivered. Swag. Sealed with a kiss. That was a date. I think that we've we've got the um, growing moments of intimacy between the two of them down pretty freaking well for it to be a believable coming together of this gorgeous couple. But is comedy central to this plot? I mean, it's intertwined with the romance by virtue of Garrison and Nina just, like, constantly taking bets on them and, like, making glances. Like, they are the supporting cast in more ways than one. They are the supporting cast in this film, but Mm -hmm. also they support the the relationship between Mina and B. Oh, it's just going to be so so good they're gonna be so freaking funny together and i want i want that to be a running we you know we noted at least twice you know two very notable moments but i want i want basically the same five dollar bill just being pushed in between them like six different times throughout this movie yeah this is gonna have some really great dialogue I think that it's going to be very funny supporting cast alone. I also think that the exchange with uh, the motel front desk person is going to be fucking funny. Very silly. Who should we cast as the front desk person? The completely apathetic dual switch playing front desk person. That's such a good question. Do we want it to be someone older or someone younger? I think it is going to be a younger person. They don't have to be super young, but they should probably be under the age of 40. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hmm. I mean, honestly, the first person that popped into my head, and I know we've already cast her in another movie, uh, Aubrey Plaza, just because she does deadpan so well. (laughs) She really does. And honestly, like, if she was holding a Nintendo Switch with her feet... I, like, don't think I would question it. It just, like, fits. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Oddly, you're like, how are you doing that? And she's just like, how else am I supposed to get to the bottom of Skull Cavern? Yeah. You just hear tiny little explosions the entire time. You know what? I accept it. She she can be Stanley Tucci, <laughs> like, number two. We just have to start casting Aubrey Plaza in a role in every single Ugh. film. Just basically all of our supporting cast. I think with who we've cast as our leads, they're just inherently 
funny people who I think can also be really good at drama, especially Mia. Oh my God. Anyway, but I think that we, sometimes I don't like that the comedy only coming from a supporting cast, but in this case, it's all I want. <laughs> well, the comedy's not just coming from them. The comedy's also coming from the glaringly awkward situation that Mita and B are in. Them both going out of their way oh, of to course. either be like, I'm only interacting with you the bare minimum to make this happen mm-hmm. or I'm going to try and be really nice to you because like I really want this I'm really interested in this project and I don't want you to like kick me out but also I admit that I was a little bit of a dick to you in the past so I'm trying to smooth things over I just want Ashley Herring Blake to write this <laughs> <laughs> I really do it's like oh, I guess we could but Ashley Herring Blake and Ashley Herring Blake alone, if you are listening and this is what you want to do for your next novel, please contact me. I think we could work something out. Yeah. Love at first screening at gmail.com. <laughs> love at first screening at gmail.com. Come on. Oh. Hit Chelsea up. Well, if this was an Ashley Herring Blake novel, it would have to be like Beatrice, somebody doesn't do something. <laughs> yeah. Be- Just, hold on. I got to... I- I gotta come up with a with a decent last name. Hold on, or or it, 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 it we we've been calling for B the whole name. time. So B somebody. Yeah, B Allen doesn't budge, <laughs> except she does. This would have to be. This couldn't be. This would have to be pretty split perspective. I think this would have to be her <laughs> first split perspective, because I think that it would actually be a bit easier with the way that she frames her novels to uh, go from Mita. So it would have to be like Mita Ramirez doesn't budge or Mita Ramirez doesn't, doesn't. There you go. (laughs) You know what? That's not for us to know. That's for Ashley Herring Blake to find out. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. And so then the last question is, is love, romantic love in the driver's seat? So... This might be the sticking point where this isn't actually a rom-com like many before it because the entire (laughs) you guys can't see this but Chelsea like totally just like fist and was like yeah not a rom-com not a rom-com um no there's actually there's a release I would say that this is not technically a rom-com because Love is not in the driver's seat. The driving force of this plot, this movie, and this character, these characters' motivation is to document queer spaces in the country across time. And, you know, it's really honestly, in a lot of ways, a journey of B reconnecting with her grandmother, who she didn't know as well as she likely would have thought. Q Marjorie by Taylor Swift. So I think that. <laughs> cue the eye roll from chelsea um i honestly need to like give your eye roll just so i can like because it's so good you guys if you've never seen chelsea's eye roll just know it's like so supreme like it is it is truly gifable anyway but i yeah no the the romance unfolds as a byproduct of this journey but it's not the motivation of the journey so chelsea um you have not created a oh no what will i ever do 
My life's work. Done. <laughs> Ashley Herring Blake's next work. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Hi there. Editing Chelsea again. In our discussion of whether or not love is in the driver's seat, Madison says that the initiation of the romance is not romance itself, but rather the documentary that the characters are making. And at the time, I agreed with her. But during editing, it occurred to me that just because something starts out for a particular reason doesn't have to do with whether or not that's the driving force. Yes, the driving motivation of these characters is to make a documentary. However, the emotional action of the story that we are creating hinges on their relationship. That's what all the will they, won't they stuff going on is. Are they going to talk to each other about the past? Will they admit that they like each other? How long can they keep it casual when one of them wants a relationship and one of them seems emotionally stunted? And that's what Garrison and Nina, who in part are acting as a surrogate for the audience, are doing the entire time. So I think that this actually passes, and I just wanted to say that. Anyway, let's get back to recording Madison and Chelsea. Oh, I just came up with the best title in my head, but are, are we there yet? I don't know if we're there yet. You haven't made a rom-com though. So all right, what do you want to name my not quite a rom-com? Okay, so I'm basing this off of two things. One of them is one of the most infamous gay bars in all of history, American history, at least. Uh, and the second is how Mita closes off your feelings for B. Mm -hmm. You could call this Stonewalled. Mm, interesting interesting yeah. okay because the stonewalling she's stonewalling b from getting too close that's not bad that's not bad i like it i like it thank you thank you so much baby i like it <laughs> <laughs> anyway did you did you have any um any titles in mind that you're like yes this my child shall be called this your life's work no no, I think that's, I mean, honestly, I think that's pretty good. I mean, look, you're lucky yeah. you got a story out of me. I did not have as much time as I did last time to come up with this. That's true. You've been quite a busy, busy person. So, so I mean, I'm really impressed. Like, I'm, here's the thing. I'm convinced that just you, not necessarily me, it takes me a lot more brain power, but you could like shit these plots out in your sleep <laughs> and wake up to messy sheets filled with rom-coms yeah. <laughs> that was so gross i'm so that sorry was such a terrible metaphor it was a really you, bad metaphor last time you were like oh yeah there's only one bed and i sat for so long just going okay there's only one bed like how do i <laughs> there's only one bed like what like i'm like how do i even make that different like, I don't know. Because I was just, I don't know. I feel like a lot of them are like, oops, the business trip. Uh, or oops, I don't know. Like, and not that I, I'm, I'm, this was not like the most clever way to do it. But like, I was trying really hard 
to come up with like i'm like okay well, why are they somewhere where there's only one bed like what what led them there i don't know it took it took a long time for me to like come up with any kind of scenario see i was moderately convinced that you were gonna come up with something of like i don't know like the love interest traveling with like a grandparent or something and there's only one bed so suddenly the love interest person has to like share a bed with the grandma instead of the other person that they want to share a bed with and i was like if she pulls a fast one on me i'm gonna be pissed oh i wanted to be (laughs) i wanted to be horny on maine and you provided you're welcome and you know i am so pleased with this look i i had to give the people aka you what they wanted (laughs) i'm the people i am the people at large (laughs) i represent a constituency of 40 average people (laughs) (laughs) they're powerful constituency oh my gosh how badly do we want this to be a movie do we already have plans to rewatch are we gonna pirate it are we going to wait for it to be on DVD or streaming? Will we catch it in the theater when we can? Or are we like door busting opening day? I will stream this as soon as it comes out. Okay. Like this is a solid 3.8. Wow. Like I'm not going to necessarily spend money movie on it, but I will definitely be like, oh, it's hitting this unnamed streaming service. Sign me the fuck up. I'm going to watch this. I'm going to invite some friends over to watch this probably. Or maybe I'll just watch it alone in my room with a tub of cookie dough. Uncooked. And it's not the edible cookie dough that's made to be eaten as it's cookie dough. I'm talking that salmonella filled deliciousness. Yeah, I would say a solid 3.8 cookie dough in fist just watching this movie. And then I'll call all my friends and tell them they need to watch okay. it. Okay. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I will also be streaming this, and I think while I'm watching it, I'll be just like devastated that the documentary is not real. <laughs> but I do. Yeah. I do want to say that part of the reason that I ended up on a documentary is because I've been seeing a lot. I've been following the Lesbian Bar Project, which is a, mm. a real docu series. Uh, of these filmmakers lesbian bars are disappearing and so they're like going around to all of the different bars across the country and i know i know so i love that so so i i've been following them on on i haven't watched any of it yet i i think there's a two or three episodes out currently as of recording this but i haven't watched any of them yet but i'm i've been following them on social media and i'm what a great idea so this was in part inspired by that <laughs> i love it this is this is really great and i i think i also would be devastated that i didn't have this documentary so yeah maybe it would bolster me to make it myself just kidding i know nothing about film not a damn thing they don't actually even use film anymore jesus <laughs> See, I'm even further behind than I thought. Like It's all digital, baby. I just, I'm so far behind on the times. I mean, one day you're five years old playing with your abacus and the next day all these kids are tapping buttons on a, cu- on a calculator. It's devastating. 
But Chelsea, I I did really enjoy this film. Even if you didn't make a rom-com, it still gives you the warms and it gives you the fuzzies. And um, you can probably clear up both with an antibiotic, but they should be able to go away on their own. Uh, Just turn on the news because you don't want to create uh, antibiotic resistant warm and fuzzies. Well, Chelsea, um, what am what am I doing next week? Mm, what are you doing? I'm looking. I'm thinking what trope I really want you to see. Honestly, I feel like it's a it's a tried and true. I am a sucker for grumpy sunshine. So I want you. Oh, I love a grumpy sunshine. It's my favorite. <laughs> okay. I just have to do it justice. Like, I'm so nervous. <laughs> so I want you to create me a grumpy sunshine romance. Um, okay. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. I'm excited. You did a very... Also, last time, you you know, with your story, you had texted me, like, before uh, we had recorded, and you were just like, there's a farmer in my story. And... Then you told me the story you did, and I that was not ha- what I was imagining at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, anywho, I'm just I love looking it. forward to the grump and the sunshine that you deliver me next time. Should I write a manic pixie dream boy? <laughs> <laughs> oh. He's going to paint birds on the wall to remind you to fly. <laughs> I hate that. Don't worry. That will not be featured. Oh, Lord. So, it's all right. Well, you're going to get a grumpy sunshine pairing. I'm really looking forward to it. Honk, honk. Time to <laughs> roll on to the next town. All aboard. You can let us know what you think of our original rom-com stories by emailing us at loveitforscreening at gmail.com or if you're Ashley Herring Blake and you are interested in turning any of these into your next rom-com novel please email us like please please email us at uh, loveitforscreening at gmail.com but for you average folks if email is not your thing you can go to Instagram and follow us and send us a DM at loveitforscreening We are here every Wednesday for the foreseeable future with fun new rom-coms that we pull out of thin air, really learning to appreciate the carefully thought out plots of WGA writers. Yeah, and then the stunning uh, deliveries by SAG-AFTRA actors. So until next time, pay fair wages. Fair wages. (laughs) We're getting this down. We're really good no, at speaking. We're not, we're not good at it at all. <laughs> <laughs>